Hi, welcome to Coming Out Stories and Beyond. My name is Amory Zanzel. I am a lesbian, an ordained minister, and partnered with a lovely woman. I am here to share the stories of the coming out journey and other things that happen when you come out later in life. Today joining me, I have Samantha Fox. Samantha Fox is a late bloomer, a licensed marriage and family therapist in private practice in New York City and a guide and coach for women coming out later in life in her newly launched program, Curious, Questioning and Coming Out. She's the mother of three humans and two fur babies. Samantha came out after marriage with three kids under five years of age, almost 20 years ago in 2002, when there was little support for women going through this awakening. Samantha, welcome, and thank you so much for joining me today. Thank you. I'm glad to be here. I can't wait to hear your story. So, <laughs> Samantha, tell me your story. Oh, my goodness. Okay. Oh, boy. Where do I start? Um, okay. So, um, well, I had no awareness. Uh, no conscious awareness of being attracted to girls or women growing up. I always dated guys. Um, I was a serial monogamist. I always had a serious relationship. I was very relationship oriented. Um, and, you know, I just, I really didn't have any awareness. And um, at about 25, um, I, I met my future husband um, and got married at 27. Um, he was my boss at the time. Um, he had hired me when I was 25 and he was 16 years older than me. Wow. Yeah. So, um, you know, it was, it was exciting in a lot of ways. Um, he owned a com the company that I worked for. Uh, there was a lot of travel involved. Um, and it was just sort of like a whole new life that I never imagined, um, having. And so I kind of just went with it and we ended up getting engaged and getting married. Um, right before I, let's see, while I was engaged, I would say, yeah, it was while I was engaged, one of my very closest friends, um, wanted to kind of like pull around mm -hmm. um one of my closest girlfriends and she asked me you know before you get married what do you think do you want to and i i was like no you know i'm really not interested in doing that that's not my thing um i'm not interested and she ended up getting together with another girlfriend of mine mm -hmm. and the two of them ended up having a little bit of an affair while i was on one of my business trips and when i came back they told me about it and I remember feeling really jealous and upset that this had happened. And that, I don't know, something just that I wasn't a part of it, even though she had already asked me if I wanted to. And I said, no, but there was something, it left me with something. Mm -hmm. And and it was just sort of like, okay, well, I guess I'm never gonna have this experience and I'm gonna get married and that's just what it's gonna be. And so mm -hmm. I got married and very soon after getting married, I got pregnant with twins. 
And I went, I left, um, I left working with my husband at the time. I stopped working with him and I started graduate school to become mm -hmm. a therapist. And I was in my, uh, I was in one of the classes, which was human development. And I was pregnant at the time. I was about five months pregnant and they brought in a young woman who was maybe 20. I was, so I was 27 at the time. And she told us her coming out story. Hmm. So I'm sitting in human development, five months pregnant with twins. <laughs> and this woman starts to tell her coming out story. And out of nowhere, my insides start doing gymnastics. Mm. Like all kinds of crazy feelings happening inside of me. Right. That totally shocked me. I had no idea that was going to happen. And it was very um, unsettling to say the least mm -hmm. um, as I'm sitting there pregnant uh, with twins. With twins. <laughs> and, and I just had to shut it down. I just had to completely shut it down. And I did. Um, and, you know, just sort of, you know, squashed it and kept going and ended up, um, you know, starting a family. I was a stay at home mom. I stopped school at the time, um, you know, to be home with the kids, ended up getting pregnant with another. And um, it was only when my daughter was about, so it was September 11th. Uh, so it was 2001. Um, Something about September 11th just completely, uh, I, I mean, I live in New York City. Mm -hmm. So, um, you know, just this being so close to so much um, devastation and so much life ending and feeling like in the marriage, there was so much that had been missing. Uh, we had been in couples therapy from before we were married, throughout the entire marriage. It wasn't a terrible marriage at all. We were great business partners mm -hmm. and um, we were great coworkers, and so we did a really good job, like in that way. But in terms of intimacy, it was just really lacking. And so something about September 11th just made me feel like, oh my gosh, what am I doing? Um, my life could end any second, mm -hmm. you know. And and I'm so I'm very lonely. I'm very unhappy. I love being a mom. Mm -hmm. I love I love my my life. I had a very lovely life. I, mm -hmm. No complaints. Um, it wasn't, we didn't fight, you know, but the intimacy was really, really missing. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And so I just suddenly decided, I, I, I somewhere inside of me just decided that I was going to start looking, I was going to keep my eyes open. It's sort of like this thing I said to myself, I'm going to keep my eyes open and start to um, just look around for a woman. Like, I don't even know, I didn't have a plan or anything. I didn't even know exactly what to look for, <laughs> but, um, but I just knew I felt, you know, I had been having feelings throughout the marriage of being more attracted to women. He traveled a lot. Every time he traveled, I was watching lesbian movies. I'd go to the video store and bring home the movies. And I had the books and they'd come out when he wasn't there and I'd read the lesbian books. And love stories and whatnot. And then when he'd come back, all that would go away. And, you know, so a bit of a double life there for a while. Yes. Like very in the closet in so many ways. I also always love to journal. 
I had tons and tons of journals, but literally my journals were closed and in the closet mm-hmm. and I, you know, no so locked away. It. Yeah. So it's <laughs> in the closet in a lot of ways. Um, and it was, so September 11th, 2001, it was that next summer when I met somebody and didn't even realize what was happening when it was happening. Um, and felt like very infatuated with this person and even went so far as to tell him that I was very infatuated with this person because I really didn't have a sense of that this was, it wasn't like a sexual attraction. It really felt like an infatuation. Right. And that ended up developing into more than an infatuation, like the infatuation grew into, you know, something more, um, sexual and intimate. And I very quickly realized that I couldn't stay in my marriage. Um, so it was like a very quick thing. So I'm curious, you said though, like the summer, the year before you had said, you're just going to keep your eyes open for a woman. And then when the woman shows up, you don't even know like what's going on. So what, what do you think like, where was the disconnect? Probably like, um, I think with men for me there, it had always been very clear. The attraction was, I don't know, there was something about the attraction that felt very different than it ever has for me with a woman. Mm-hmm. But there was almost like a kind of like a, um, like a seduce and conquer kind of thing with men. For you. For me. And there was nothing like that happening here. And yeah. and I've never experienced that again, actually. Um, <laughs> so I think I was confused because I didn't, there was none of that. And I had no idea what kind of woman I would even be attracted to. Mm-hmm. Um, and, um, you know, it wasn't as if I looked at this woman and I thought, oh my oh, God, my she's so... <laughs> beautiful or she's so hot or I want to kiss her or any of these things. I didn't think any of that. Mm-hmm. Um, I just felt like I want to be around her. Mm-hmm. Um, I want to know her more. Um, and, you know, and, and I mean, you know, full disclosure. So she was a yoga teacher. Of course. Right. Of course. And I had just Lots started of yoga teachers yeah. out there. <laughs> cliche. I mean, so cliche, right? She, uh, she, um, she also had never been with a woman. Wow. Yeah. So for both, and she was about five years younger than me or six years younger than me. So, um, but she was, you know, she was more obviously gay than I was. Um, (laughs) and so, um, yeah. So she was my yoga teacher and I was so infatuated that the first month after I met her and took her class, I found every studio that she worked at and I followed her and I'd show up in different towns. <laughs> we had a, a summer home in the Hamptons. And so um, I lived there for the summertime and I just started following her to every town, every place for her class. Did you think you were a stalker? <laughs> I was. I was a stalker. I fully stalked her. I would I would be really slow rolling up my mat at the end. And, you know, she <laughs> thought I just needed somebody to talk to. Like she thought 
oh, something must be going on for this woman. She needs somebody to talk to. And so, mm -hmm. um, yeah, but it was very evident very quickly that it was more than that. And can I just ask you a quick question? Yeah. Here you are stalking the cute little yoga teacher. Yeah. Did it dawn on you that it, at that point, did you realize, oh, this is something more than me wanting to go to a yoga class? Did it like, at that point, did it dawn on you like, oh gosh, I'm attracted to this woman? No, it still wow. wasn't. Yeah, it still didn't break through that, um, that I'm attracted to her. It was more, I'm so, I'm, I can't, I'm so obsessed with her. I'm so infatuated with her. Um, mm -hmm. There's something about her. I don't know what it is. It was that. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So... So it took a little while. Um, we went to dinner together. Um, we went and had a coffee and we ended up making a plan to go out for dinner together. Um, and um, this was sort of a turning point. So this all happened within, like I met her in July and it was like six weeks or five, five or six weeks until, you know, the first kiss and then another maybe two or three weeks until I told my husband. Mm -hmm. Um, but he knew something was happening. I mean, I was not myself at all. Mm -hmm. um, and, um, but we went out to dinner and it was one of those typical lesbian dinners where, you know, six hours later, you're still sitting at the table. Talking. Which, yeah. mm -hmm. Right. Which with my husband, it was like the minute he was done, we were out of the restaurant. So mm -hmm. it he knew I was out to dinner with her. He was not in the Hamptons at that time, he was back in the city, but he was trying to call me and we had three really young kids. Mm -hmm. I didn't answer my cell phone, mm -hmm. which was not like me. Mm -hmm. And so he kept calling and calling and calling. And by the time I got to my phone, he had called like 26 times. Wow. And I knew then that's when it hit me. That it's not just, there's something about her like, like you were falling in love. Yeah. I was, I was something that I didn't know what was happening. Yeah. And it was yeah. something more. Or infatu infatuation. Infatuation. You, know? you can look at it with a different eye now. Yeah. You didn't, I'm sh like most of us, we don't know when we're falling in love or infatuation. And then it's only with hindsight that we can say, oh, wait a minute. It was actually something different, you know? Yeah. So you're extraordinarily infatuated with this woman. Your husband's called you 26 times. And if he had called you three before when you were with somebody, you would have answered it like, boom, like that. Yeah, I was like, always on my phone. Three yeah. little kids were at home, you know, mm -hmm. with a caretaker. So yeah. Mm -hmm. and, and also 10 o'clock was my cutoff time mm -hmm. for everything. After 10, don't even try. Don't try to touch me. Don't try to do anything with me. I'm sleeping with with him and it was 11 and I was still out and I hadn't answered my phone. So this was way out of character. So he mm -hmm. got very alerted and very activated and canceled all his meetings for the next day and drove back to the Hamptons and, you know, was there first thing in the morning. Was he worried like you were, something had happened to you? No. No, he, he came right first thing in the morning and said, are you a lesbian? Wow. And you didn't really know yourself yet. Right. So I said, I don't think so. Wow. Yeah. Well, he must have seen something. I'm sure you guys have talked about it since then. He's probably seen something about you that you didn't even see about yourself. 
Yeah. I mean, looking back, I think it was very obvious that I was that going you were to- in love with you were infatuated. <laughs> yeah. And there was like a transformation happening. I just wasn't myself. Um, mm-hmm. and he knew me well, you know. Mm-hmm. So that so, was sort of the beginning. Yeah. So he said, Are you a lesbian? You yes. said I don't think so. I don't think so. And then he said, Well, then how do you explain, you know, last night? Um and I didn't, I didn't really have a, a good explanation. I just said, I, I, we were deep in conversation. I didn't notice the time. Um, you know, what about the kids? You know, how could you not, you know, I said my phone was in my bag under my chair. I, I was deep in conversation. I mean, all of that was true. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and, and there was nothing physical happening. Um, and we weren't talking about us being in a relationship. I mean, there was nothing happening other than actually having deep conversation. Right. Um, but inside, you know, there were things happening for me, um, that I didn't understand, still didn't understand at that time. So, um, from then it got pretty intense. So it was another, that was the middle of August. Um, and by Labor Day, that Labor Day, so I always remember Labor Day of 20, uh, 2002, no, yes, it was 2002 Labor Day. That's the last time I was ever intimate with a man. Mm-hmm. And so um, I always count that each Labor Day. I'm like, it's this many years, it's that many years. <laughs> um, and um, yeah, I mean, I mean, it, it developed and I ended up telling him that I was in love and it was very quickly. It was like six weeks after I had met her. So it was a little bit ridiculous in a lot of ways. He tried to, um, I, I, I told him I didn't want to be with him. Mm-hmm. Um, I didn't want to stay in the marriage, um, which was really crazy. I mean, we had a lot, we had built up a lot together and had mm-hmm. a young family Mm-hmm. And um, he he said, "What if we get you an apartment, and you can just check this out? You know, you can test this out. You can see how it feels. You can do this on the side. I'm fine with that." Mm. And I, I always I always like um, sort of uh, roll my eyes, I guess, a little bit at the misogyny in that statement. Yeah. Because my ex-husband did that to me as well. He was like, well, if you wanted to be with a man, I wouldn't care. But because it's a woman, I don't care so much. And right. so it's like, if you wanted to have an affair with a man, he wouldn't be offering to get you an apartment <laughs> in the city, you know, or right. if you did, or if you wanted to be in a relationship with a man, that would not have happened. Right. Because right. I feel, I feel like that sometimes men think that it's less than, unless you're a lesbian, don't ever out for your wife. <laughs> an apartment in the city if she's gay (laughs) because she'll be out of there (laughs) so did you guys do that no I said that I I wasn't interested in that and that I really yeah that I I really thought that we needed to separate well good for you I really that's very impressive yeah I mean I just knew you know it was I it wasn't because it wasn't about going somewhere to have sex no no that I mean, it just wasn't about that. So well, don't you find at, at, now that you work with women coming out of later in life that sometimes women try to maintain all of that? Oh yeah. Their marriage. 
yep. their relationship. I mean, they, they just try to make, like, keep it all going. Yep. And what, what do you think for you was different? Like what, like I went, that was the same thing with me. Like my, this was all like negotiations. And he was like, you know, we talked about threesomes. We talked about polyamory. We talked, and I'm like, no, no, no. Mm -hmm. And I said, you know, Jim, if I sleep with a woman, you're not going to be there, (laughs) you know? Mm -hmm. And, and so I was very sure once that I went down, like, I just, I left, I didn't meet somebody beforehand, but when, you know, when, once I started coming out, I just knew that I couldn't stay married anymore. So Mm -hmm. that I never had to deal with any of those things. And those are so hard to deal with. What was it for you? Like, what, why did you say, no, I don't want to do that? Because a lot of women would have taken that opportunity, would have taken that road. Yeah. Um, I felt after I met her, like I connected to myself in a way that I hadn't, um, certainly hadn't since I met him. Mm-hmm. So it was almost as if when I got into this relationship with him and remember we have 16 years apart. So we were at very different life stages when we came together and there was something about being in the relationship with him that felt like part of me died mm-hmm. or was asleep mm-hmm. uh, in like a deep slumber. And it was like, I was so alive and so embodied and awake that I just, you know, I just didn't, I just wanted that. Mm -hmm. I just wanted to feel like that. I didn't want, you know, anything more that had to do with the life I was living, which, you know, along the course of the marriage, which was seven years, progressively as time went on, I, I was just feeling like, how did I get here? Mm-hmm. Like whose life, how did I get into this life? This is, is this my life? Mm-hmm. Um, not because of my kids. I love my kids, but you know, buying properties, fixing them up, selling them like project after project. And, you know, just a little bit of like a more high-end lifestyle than I was really comfortable with where I'd want to like go to a business dinner in like jeans and like whatever but like he wanted me to dress a certain way and just just feeling out of place in so many ways and with her I just felt so myself so it was really just about that well yeah I I often describe it to people that like it's so hard to capture the words but it was like feeling like coming home and yeah and like for me, I remember that it was like, how could this stranger feel like home? My, my, my kids are my home. I have four kids. I love them. The, my ex, my now ex-husband, you know, he's part of that home. Like, how can this w- woman who's a virtually stranger to me feel like home? And it was really because I was coming home to myself. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So... This happened so quickly for you. You are well, like my record. This is like a record here. <laughs> well, the awareness piece was quick. The actual separation to divorce piece took three years. Mm-hmm. We lived under the same roof for three mm-hmm. years. Mm-hmm. Um, I slept in his office on a pullout couch for three years. Mm-hmm. And he made it very clear that he was going to make my life as miserable as he possibly could for as long as he possibly could. And and he did. And it was, 
it was so it was like this amazing awakening that was also the worst three years of my life so well he's gonna he was gonna make you pay for it yeah and he did I mean for many years even beyond that so, so I, I always makes me so sad when I hear that Thank you. Yeah. It's such a shame. And, you know, and, and we did wonderfully with the kids and co-parenting. I mean, we're both at least adult enough to have managed that, but I mean, it was, it, it was just the worst, really the worst. Can I ask you what, now that you have perspective on all of this, what advice would you give to other women who are going through this and their husbands being a jerk? I mean, how do you, how, what's, what, what are strategies to navigate it? Yeah. I mean, I think, you know, I think trying to understand a little bit about what they're feeling, mm -hmm. um, you Me, know, while, the women or the, no, the men, okay. the men, right. Because, you know, I think part of me believed that it would be easier for him because it's a woman it's not another man. If it were a man, then he'd have something to compare himself to, but this is not even comparable, right? Cause it's a woman mm -hmm. and that that would be more understandable. And he would, you know, not be as, as hurt somehow still hurt, but not as hurt. But I think instead it's like the opposite. It is. And, yeah. Right. Yeah. And, um, you know, so I think trying to understand just a little bit about what this does to a man in terms of their masculinity mm -hmm. and um you know how they view themselves in the world and you know finding some compassion inside of yourself to also just try to see it through his uh eyes a little bit mm -hmm. uh, might ease some of the difficulty um yeah. I find that our I find that our community bends over backwards to find com compassion sometimes for what the guy what the spouse is going through. Yeah, I it's find devastating. It, yeah, it's and devastating because everything changes. Yeah, and and currently I have a client who I've been working with for two years. She was married for thirty three and a half years, family, and her husband just came out. Mm -hmm. two years ago. And so I'm working with her and I've watched her go through this process with him, but I was him. Ah. So and has it opened your eyes at all? I mean, yes. And you know, it's, it's so, I mean, I have so many feelings when I'm working <laughs> with her. Um, I bet it's hard. It's hard. It is hard. Yeah. Um, but I feel for her and I really feel for him. I don't know him, but I really feel for him and how hard this must have been after that many years of marriage. And she's so angry still. And I mean, yes, it's, it's, you know, this is, this is really impactful to the partners that get left. And it's like a really big injury. And my ex-husband is remarried. He's been remarried for 10 years uh, or more now. And he's so happy and he, his wife is so much better for him than I was. I mean, yeah. obviously, but I mean, really they're great together. So mm -hmm. I'm happy mm -hmm. for him, you know, and mm -hmm. that's but, my, yeah. my ex-husband is partnered now and she's so much 
Yeah, she a lot. She has a, actually some of my qualities in the sense that she's very politically liberal, but she's also straight. <laughs> you know, and she's good for him. The things yeah. that like bothered me so much of our about our relationship, like the lack of emotional intimacy and the things that really bothered me don't seem to bother her. And she's very happy with him. And I've had Christmas celebrations with them and stuff like that. Yeah, so they're happy. Yeah. Graduations <laughs> so. and all kinds of, you know, traveling to go to, you know, the kids' graduations in different mm -hmm. states and whatnot. I mean, there've been a lot of, there's been a lot of family time and yeah. a lot of coming together, the three of us really, to work on things with the kids when stuff comes up and so. so, but I want to just take you back. So, because we, we started this conversation too, about like what you said is that there were no resources for you. Like you sort of did this on your own. Yes. And it's, you know, you're sleeping on the couch in your husband's office. <laughs> He's shaming you as much as he possibly can. Yes. Also outed me too. I mean, it literally felt like he took a banner and wrote a big sign and hung it up in the center of Broadway in New York City that I'm a lesbian and everybody knew. He outed me to everybody. And so, because, you know, he's a good guy and, you know, it's not his fault that your divorce is happening. Right. Yeah, my ex-husband outed me too. We have very similar stories. So he outed me to the world. Um, so, how was that? What was the reaction? I mean, you're in a liberal New York City. Was it as liberal as you thought it was going to be? Or? Um, I mean, yes, I think that, you know, there are certain things that just happen when people separate and get divorced. And I don't think it matters what the reasons are. Um, I think just the same kind of things happen regardless. So, um, you know, I didn't, I mean, it was uncomfortable for people to just know in that way where it was so loud. And also that that was the thing that he told people that that was why we were getting separated. And I and understandable also how he got that idea. Mm -hmm. you know, he had said to me many times when we were married that if things didn't change in terms of our intimate sexual life, that he didn't want to stay married to me. Mm -hmm. I mean, I had already lived through years of him saying that. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, and so, you know, I mean, you know, anyway, it all became about me being gay. To me, that's not what it was. It was really, yeah. I mean, yeah. often marriages have a lot of complicated issues and sometimes being gay is the impetus that, and starts the divorce because it just does. But oftentimes a lot of my clients also have a lot of deeply troubled marriages that them yeah. being gay or coming out as gay is really sometimes a gift yeah. because it makes them leave marriages they shouldn't be in. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. And what you said, I also realized that too, is that um, divorce is hard. Yeah. And, you know, like, so things happen with divorces that like when people, people take sides, people, you know, and sometimes you some, you know, that one spouse ends up with some friends, one ends up spouse right. with another. What I have found that what came to sort of my rescue were some people in the queer community, but other women that had gone through divorce in my very white upper middle-class town that I was from. Yeah. 
And that's the women who sort of embraced me and took me in. They were all straight, but you know, they were really wonderful to me. Yeah. So, I mean, I think the thing for me that was so hard was that at least in New York, I was pretty young in terms of um, having kids at the age I had my kids. Yeah. Like one of the youngest. that's young. Right. So I was like one of the youngest moms in the classes that's in their classes at school. Everybody else was older. So I was pretty young and I didn't know anybody that had gone through divorce. Um, so, you know, I was a real trailblazer with that one too. Um, and so people had really strange responses. I'll never forget one of the responses. This is this friend of mine is a therapist. I'll never forget her response. And I ran into her a few years ago and she remembered what she said to me when I told her um, that we were going to separate and that I was coming out. She said, what about your house in East Hampton? <laughs> how, can you, how, how can you do that with your house in East Hampton? I was like really by that. Yeah. That was all she thought about was your life looks so perfect. Mm -hmm. Everything is so perfect. How can you not like, what do you, what do you mean? Mm -hmm. And that was painful. Like that really felt, I mean, and also just showed me like how shallow some people can be. Mm -hmm. Um, so anyway, um, well, you, had, you know, Samantha, you had checked all the boxes. You got the rich husband, you got the beautiful life. You have three beautiful children. You're doing, you're checking all the boxes. You've got a life people envy and there was absolutely. something missing, something clearly missing. Right. right. And how luckily you found it seven years into the marriage and not 27 years into the marriage. Correct. Like a lot of the, like I was married 26 years. So, and I'm sure a lot of your clients have been married that many, yes. long, that long. So yes. you, the, the, the blessing of this is you figured it out pretty darn young, which is good. Which was good. Yeah. So tell me, what was it like going out into the lesbian world? Like, here you are, three little kids. I mean, it was a lot of fun. I um, bet. Yeah. So we ended up, I ended up partnering with that person that I met for about six years. Mm-hmm. We ended up moving in together, but because it was both of our first experiences, we did kind of, you know, we went to the tea parties and we went to the lesbian bars and the lesbian clubs. And I did, there was one bit of support that I had. It was in um, the year, I believe it was 2003. Um, do you know Joanne Fleischer that wrote mm -hmm. Living Two Lives? Dr. Joanne? Yeah. Yeah. So she, at that time was still, I mean, was still, I, she was doing her workshops. Yeah. And I went to one. Oh, so nice. Yeah. And so this was 2003. I went for the weekend. It was in Amherst, Massachusetts. There were 20 women from all over the country, mm -hmm. from all different situations. And I, in that group made, I left the group with one friend that I have stayed so close to and have grown my later in life lesbian group to be really a, the community that I do all of my travels with. So all of my trips are around this group of women and that's been amazing. So, mm -hmm. um, you know, we really have to thank Dr. Joanne. Like, so when I was um, coming out, she was still practicing. I think she's, I think she sees, I know I've had a client of mine that saw her. Yeah. And that was like three or four years ago. Is she still practicing? Do you know? I think with the pandemic, 
I think with the pandemic, she, she, I don't think she's running her workshops anymore, but with the pandemic, she started to see people again, because there was this really, there was sort of like a, an explosion of women coming out later. During After Glenn and Doyle. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Untamed. Yeah. 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 So, so you had fun, you found community. Yeah. And, um, you know, and, and had three little people and, um, you know, had to get through the divorce and then had to get through moving out. I had to move out of the marital home. And, um, and so, you know, it was, it was an interesting time because as I said, divorce, it doesn't really matter the reasons, but a lot goes with it. And mm -hmm. while it was so exciting to have this awakening and I felt more myself than ever and, and totally identified as lesbian and, there was no question in my mind. I also had a lot of grief over the loss of a life that I had built and known and my kids knew. And now my kids were going back and forth and they were having a hard time and there was some trauma involved for them around that. And, you know, and so it was like my coming out story became a, like for me during those years became a lot about loss and grief. Like mm -hmm. I was really really struggling with my kids and mm -hmm. not, not having them all the time when I had been a stay at home mom and he was, tra he traveled, he was away about three or four months out of the year. And suddenly I had to split my time with them. And that mm -hmm. was very difficult for me. And so the relationship I think was stressed by that because mm -hmm. she was younger and she just wanted to have fun. Mm -hmm. And she saw it as like this beautiful new beginning and I couldn't be in that with her because I was in an ending. And a beginning. So you were holding the both in just I was holding both. I've done that. It's very, very, it, and most of our later in life community do that. There are some oh, people that are later in life, but are single and they don't have to do some yes. of the other things. Yeah. Yeah. So tough. Yeah. Right. So it took a toll eventually yeah. and we, we split up. Um, mm -hmm. And yeah, I've had, I'm on my, so that was number one. I've had four. I'm on number four now. <laughs> long-term serial monogamist, uh, mm -hmm. long-term relationships. I tried someone who had kids next for three years. Then I was with someone who didn't have kids for about five years. And now I just started dating at the, the week before the pandemic, the week before the lockdown, someone who is newly out and has kids and is not divorced. Um, but I don't think they're going to get divorced anytime soon. And they're very amicable and they move in and out of the house and the kids have the house and it's a Are they nesting. They're nesting, you know, can you tell people what nesting is? Yeah. Nesting is when you, you know, maintain the, um, family home for mm -hmm. the kids. So the home becomes the kid's home. And the parents are the ones that move in and out. And a lot of the times they share another space outside of the family home. Mm -hmm. So my current partner has an apartment and it's a two bedroom apartment and she and her husband move in and out of that apartment. One stays in the house one week and they kind of do that. How, how old are her kids? She has twins also that are um, almost 13 and an eight year old. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So little. Little. Yeah, yeah. Um, what kind of work? What kind of work now do you do? 
And I know you're a therapist and you're in New York and licensed as a therapist in New York. So tell me a little bit about the women you work with and the people you serve as a therapist now. Yeah. Um, so I'm in private practice. I work with really all kinds of people um, as a therapist, um, trauma-informed. Um, mm -hmm. But I do a lot of work with, I also see couples. I see a lot of couples. Um, I work with... Um, you do you work with gay couples up. Yeah. Uh, I have a lot of lesbian couples. Um, yeah, that's nice. Yep. And um, I do sex therapy, um, you know, sexuality, um, and, um, you know, and work with women coming out later in life. So that was my niche from the very beginning. When I started my private practice, I started advertising that, you know, I can, I can help you through this. Mm -hmm. Um, and so I've been doing that for quite some time and just in the last couple months, um, during the pandemic, I came up with a, a group for women coming out later in life, which mm -hmm. is a curious question coming out group, um, which are five week coaching programs for mm -hmm. women. Um, and I'm just starting and I'm going to add more to them, but they're, if you just look up curious questioning coming out.com, um, it's all there. So you can see it. Um, We'll have all your information on the last slide in the in this video. Yeah. So that's why we took all these. So if anybody wants to contact Samantha, she can do, you can do that, and all the information will be at the end of this video. Yeah. So um, you know. So so but but therapy is um, you know in my therapy practice, I see people going through all of the similar kinds of things that I went through, and you know. Um, there are a lot of stages to this. There's a lot of fear. There's a lot of guilt. There's a lot of grief. There's a lot of confusion. There's a lot of how can I, how is it possible that I can be 38 and have been married for this long, but I didn't know this about myself? Like, how is this possible? Or I was 55 and I haven't, didn't know this about myself. All of it all of it. And, and, and even younger people, even, you know, 29, how can I be 29 and, and just be coming you know, and it's too late. I hear a lot of people say it's too late. It's too late. Oh no. Gross. I know. No. Yeah. You know, and it's interesting because I've been doing this work for three years now with people coming out later in life. And I started from the grief perspective, which we were talking about before we started this chat. And um, it is that there are such like, if you look, if you look up the um, like LGBTQIA identity, identity, you know, like identity development, it almost follows that to a T. And whether you're 15 following that identity or 75, it sort of goes in the same steps. And and a lot of like a lot of the women I work with um, often are pretty accomplished people, you know, because they've been trying to figure out what's missing. So they go back to school and get a degree here and a degree here. So they're at typically accomplished women and also women who are used to seeking help. So they like, if they can't figure it out, they, they find somebody that can help them. And I find that um, they want it to be linear. They're like, I just, I want to, I, I want to start here and I want to be done here. And this can take like three or four weeks. Right. And it's like, no, this is such, like I, I was talking to an engineer yesterday and she said to me, she goes, you know, thank God for you saying that because I just want it to be done. And I said, no, it's a back and forth process. So for example, the person I was talking to yesterday, three weeks ago, identified as lesbian and now she's bisexual. So it's a 
it's a process, yeah, you know, and, and also that can change. I mean, you, when I first came out, I, I, I thought I, I said, well, I must be bisexual because I've only been with men, but now I want to be with her. So that means I'm bisexual. And then, <laughs> and then I was like, wait a second, I'm, I'm not, I really feel like a lesbian and I don't think I ever want to be with a man again. Mm -hmm. um, and so I'm a lesbian and, you know, but, but I, I hear people kind of that, that shifts and changes through time mm -hmm. and it can, and that's okay. And it doesn't mm -hmm. have to stay fixed, you know? Right. And it is, it is fluid in the sense for some people. I had somebody, another woman who was, um, it was funny. She was, and I think my practice has matured too, is like I have been out longer. And so I'm much more, I'm much more very accepting of whatever people say they are, because that's their job to say and not mine. And um, she was funny. She said to me, um, she goes, because yeah, as a lesbian, and she goes, maybe I'm bisexual. And I said, well, how about not straight? And she goes, okay, I can do that. <laughs> and I'm like, okay, that works for us all. Right, right. So a lot of times with my clients that are questioning, we use not straight. Right. And that's, that's comfortable. And, you know, that's a whole discussion about labels around that one. So. Yeah. Yeah. So Samantha, I want to thank you for being on. I really appreciated this conversation. I'm glad to know that there's other people out there that are doing this work because it's super important work. So I'm going to put you in my Rolodex so right, right. and let people know, or if they're looking for something in particular, uh, I will definitely contact you and let other people know you're available. Um, but I have three questions before we end today. So do you have a um, book or a movie that really, you know, changed your life or changed your viewpoint about something? It doesn't have to be about your sexuality. Just curious. I, you know, I mean, I, I, I thought about this question and I don't really have one um, that did that for me. Um, I feel like it was, like I said, it was really like the event of September 11th that mm -hmm. changed my perspective in a way about life. Mm -hmm. um, and so. that was your, like, you know, we talk about in our later in life community about a catalyst, you know, and, yeah. and a catalyst can be a human being, yes. but sounds like September 11th was your catalyst. Yes. Yeah. yeah. And often catalytic events can be something that make people start to question things. And a lot of times it's illness, divorce, death, and yes. major, you know, world traumas that can make people think. COVID for me, in my client, I've just gotten a lot more people during COVID yeah. because all yeah. of a sudden people are like, I'm not straight. <laughs> and that's, you know, I think COVID has been big for a lot of people. And I agree. And in, in reframing their lives. Yeah. Um, do you have a coming out song? Um, I mean, there were so many, right? Like every Sarah McLaughlin song and, you know, but um, there's a, a song that I love particularly by Jill Scott, which is called Golden. Mm -hmm. which just has the, it just has the feeling of what it feels like to be out. Um, so okay. I've got to yeah. listen to that. Yeah. One. It's, it's a good one. Songs. All right. So if you could, what was the best thing about your life now? What is the best thing about your life now? Um, I think just being able to be so authentic so in my skin, so who I am. And, um, you know, I really don't, 
I don't really um, give much mind to what other people think um, in any way about anything. I just am me and being able to be fully myself and fully in my skin, um, fully in my identity, that to me is really the best thing about my life. It's priceless, right? Yeah. Yeah. Well, thank you, Samantha. It was wonderful chatting with you today and getting to know you a little bit. So I really appreciate your time and thanks for being on my show. <laughs> thanks so much, Emery. I appreciate it. All right.